we have been uh, talking about the armor of God, right? So I am not going to go over all the armor that we have um, covered, but we are going to read our theme scripture, okay? So we'll kind of go over it a little bit there. So if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 10. And um, I will go ahead and read it out of the King James, but I may also read it out of the Phillips as well. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse, starting verse 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth. So, you know, we talked about truth. We know that we have to have truth. Truth is our foundation, right? Truth is what the um, belt of truth holds everything together. If you don't know the truth, then the enemy can deceive you, right? So, it says, to have your loins gird about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Do you know you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ? You've been made that. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It is a gift from God. It belongs to you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So if the enemy tries to bring up your past and you know you're saved, you know you've been made right, you know you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, what do you say? I am the righteousness of God in Christ, right? So we put on that breastplate. We wear righteousness. We, are, we have been made right. Praise God. And then it says, um, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So our, you know, we, we talked about that. We talked about the importance of being able to stand not be moved by what we see, not be moved by what we feel, not be moved by circumstances. We have that peace that surpasses all understanding. No matter what God's got me, I'm going over, I'm not going under, I'm more than a conqueror, I'm an overcomer, so I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to be at peace. I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to fret. Amen? Praise God. And then it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. And we talked about the shield of faith last week. Remember, we have to have faith out in front of us, right? Faith in God, faith in his word. We need faith. You know, it says, um, the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We talked about how the Roman soldiers, they would dip their shields in water. They would wet them. They were made out of hides. And they would wet them. And so when their enemy shot those fiery darts or arrows against them, they hold up that shield and those darts would be extinguished because it was wet. Right? We talked about that. We talked about, you know, circling the, the uh, cowboys and Indians and stuff. 
So y'all remember that part. Um, there's much more I can say, but I'm, I'm going to keep moving on. And then where we are tonight, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching whereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So tonight we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. And so just to give you a description of the Roman soldier's helmet, um, one of the things that it was, the fact was that it was very heavy. They wore this helmet, but it was a, a, a heavy helmet. Now, this helmet was designed to not just cover their head, but it covered their jaws, it covered their eyes, it covered the, you know, the back of their neck, it covered them. And um, the reason why they had this kind of helmet, and actually before I even get to that, inside that helmet, because it was so heavy, they actually put like a sponge or something in there to keep it from rubbing against their head. So they were serious about this helmet. Now, their helmets, they had helmets that were like what they wore for parades. You know, they had these big plumes of feathers or... Um, horse hair on them, and they would color them and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, these, these um, helmets could be very ornate and very decorative and, and just stand out. You would know if you saw one of these helmets, right? Um, so that was, that was, you know, kind of somewhat of a description. There's, there's probably could say a lot more. But the thing that... Um, that intrigued me as I was studying about this is the fact that part of the reason why they wore this type of helmet was because they knew that their enemies, when they would come against them, they had these things that were called battle axes. And you've probably seen them if you watch some of the um, knights and armor knights and stuff like that movies. They had these battle axes. Well, if you got hit with one of those, it would take your head off. So just, you, that's it. You got hit. If you don't have your helmet on, your head would be gone. It would be rolling. Okay? So those helmets were very, very important to them because it kept them, kept their head. It kept them safe. All right? And so um, they were, as I said, they were very noticeable. They were flamboyant. They were ornate. Um, sometimes they were fashioned to look like animals, so they could be a, you know, the front of it could have like an elephant head on it. it they were very interesting. Um, so there, um, when you think about this type of helmet, if you think about us today, we, people, you see people wearing helmets all the time, right? If they're wearing, driving them riding a motorcycle, they should have a helmet on. Some of them don't, but they're supposed to wear a helmet. Um, people riding bikes, they wear helmets, correct? So um, sports, they, they wear helmets. I remember when my son was playing football, he, he wore a helmet. You know, the team wore a helmet. Why? Because they needed to protect their head, protect their brain. 
If they didn't have a helmet on, if someone was driving a motorcycle or riding a motorcycle and they fell, or they had a crash with no helmet on, that wouldn't be too pretty. When you think about a football player, if they don't have helmets, you know, those, that, that uh, sport is very, it's, it's a, a um, what's the word I want? Contact, that's the word I want. A contact sport. So, and it, even if you think about like the, um, the quarterback, that would be a good example, the quarterback. Okay, so the quarterback is the guy that the defense is trying to get to, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, because he's the guy who's, you know, he's got the plays, um, he's, you know, given the instructions, he's telling them what they're going to do. And so their whole thing is to the, the defensive side, they're trying to stop him. They're trying to get a hold of him. I wrote this down, so let me read it to you so I can, so I don't miss any place because I asked Aaron, I said, Aaron, tell me, so I don't want to mess this up. Okay, so, um, in our day, people wear helmets to, helmets to protect them from brain injury. I said that. For instance, a football player wears a helmet to absorb the shock of, a, uh, of a, a tackle so that the brain is not damaged. We know that if the brain is damaged, bodily functions are impeded, right? Because yeah. if your brain don't work, you ain't working. Not very well, right? Okay. So if during a play, the coaches see that a player got hit in the head or their head bounced off the turf, they would take them out for what was called concussion protocol. That's correct. Right? Anybody? I got an amen on that? Okay. So they would be checking to see if the player is confused, if they're throwing up, if they have had a headache, if they had slurred speech, uh, blurred vision, dizziness, all these kinds of things, because they're checking to make sure they don't have a concussion. So if they have any of these things going on, it's very possible that they have a concussion. So as I was talking about the quarterback, um, the quarterback, the leader, the one calling the play, sets the agenda, and he's always under attack. The defense tries to stop him, sack him, knock him down, block him, move him out of the pocket. I asked Aaron all these terms and make him ineffective and inefficient. I mean, I sort of know, but I wanted to get it right. Okay, so but especially in the NFL, sitting high above him in a booth is an offensive coordinator. Right, guys? Okay, so his job is to speak to the, court, the quarterback and call the place for the team to execute. Now, remember, he has a better vantage point, right? And is able to see what the defense is up to. So if you can imagine when there's a football game going on, there's somebody sitting up high, and they can see the whole field. They can see what the other team is doing, how they're lining up, what they're doing, and they're talking to the quarterback. Now, what amazes me is that, do you know they can talk to them, their helmet, they can hear them in their helmet? So they're talking to them. I mean, we have this technology in their helmet. They have speakers where they can hear what the defensive coordinator is saying. So um, 
so he can speak directly to him and advise him. Now, the team has a playbook, and they have to learn these plays. So when the coordinator is talking to the quarterback, he has to learn the quarterback has to already know these plays. The team has to know the plays. So like they say, number whatever play or we're going to, whatever they named it, they have to know how they line up, what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to know all that stuff. I'm going somewhere with this, guys. Don't, don't worry. I'm, I really am. Okay. And so they have to learn the play. And now he just has to execute the play. He doesn't have time to go check the playbook. He's got to already know it. He's got to, it's got to be, he's got to know what it is, this, what this play is. And so we have an offensive coordinator. Y'all know who he is? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit lives within us, but he knows what the enemy is up to. He knows how to speak to our spirit, to lead us, to give us instruction, to give us direction, to say, no, don't line up that way, or don't do that, or don't go that way. I need you to do this. He knows how to do that for us. So this um, helmet of salvation is so, so important. We have to we have to put on our helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet of salvation, it really is us understanding what salvation is. Okay? So when you put this helmet on, when you have an understanding of what salvation is, what it means, you're putting on the helmet of salvation. It's protecting your head. It's protecting your thoughts. It's protecting your mind. It's keeping the enemy from lying to you. It's keeping your thoughts in line with the word of God. It helps you to listen, to to discern that this is the spirit of God speaking to me. This isn't just me. You know, this isn't the enemy. This isn't, you know, what my mama taught me or what my daddy taught me. This isn't even maybe even what, you know, I learned on the job or whatever. But this is the spirit of God speaking to me. It helps us when we have, when we understand what salvation is, right? So when the enemy comes, he wants to destroy that. He wants to get you confused. Remember I read all those things about the concussion protocol? Are they dizzy? Are they throwing up? Are they confused? What's going on? And see, when we remember what salvation means, and I'll tell you that in just a minute if you're not sure. Um, we can, we, we have this helmet on and it helps us to think properly. Praise God. So remember in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says in King James, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable um, and perfect will of God. So the Holy Spirit is there to speak to our spirits, to remind us that we have salvation, to remind us that what Jesus did for us, there, he paid a price for us to have freedom, for us to have uh, 
for us to be healed, for us to um, be victorious, for us to be prosperous. Our salvation isn't just about going to heaven. That's in the future. If we're saved, when we die, we're going to heaven, right? But what about living right now? We, we need salvation right now. We need healing right now. We need uh, prosperity right now. We need deliverance right now. We need whatever God has for us right now. Amen? Amen. So um, Philip's translation of Romans chapter 2, or Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brethren, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as this is actually verse one and two, um, a living sacrifice consecrating to him and consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God be God. Let God remold your minds from within so that you may be able to prove and practice that plan of God for you is good meets all of his meet all of his demands and move toward the goal of true maturity. So when we think of the helmet of salvation, think of the fact that you've got to see and know your salvation the way God intended it to be what he what what was delivered to you, what belongs to you. What belongs to you through salvation? It's not just going to heaven. There's so much more. Amen? Amen. So First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says this. And this is the um, King James Version as well. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of for grace, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ. So it says, wherefore, gird, we're to gird up our minds. We're to, as the New Living Translation says, it says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. When the enemy comes to um, come against you as far as salvation is concerned, what he's coming to get you to what he wants to do is to get you to think that what God has for you is not really yours. Whether he uses a tactic that you don't deserve it or it's not really true, you know, it's not for today, it's not for, you know, you. Um, but that, that, that's, not, that's not true. Um, the, I'm, I want to read a couple of scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Because the thing is, this is such a, there, there's a lot, and I'm trying to nutshell it, <laughs> so um, y'all just bear with me. But um, the Holy Spirit, he lives within us. He sees everything, he knows everything, and he will give you the correct strategy to win. Amen. Okay? So in John chapter 14, verse 15 through 18. This is the Amplified Version. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, why he's so important to us. 
He said, if you really love me, you will keep, you will keep obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Welcome, um, welcome take to, to its heart, because it does not see him or know him, know and recognize him, but you know him and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, helpless. I will come back to you. So um, something that John Bevere said that really struck my heart, it says um, in his book called The Holy Spirit, An Introduction, he said the Holy Spirit is permanently called closely alongside each of us to provide coaching, direction, instruction, and counsel in our life journey. So you see, the enemy wants to give us a spiritual brain injury. He wants to attack our thinking about our salvation. So like the Roman soldier's helmet, the helmet of salvation must be so tightly wrapped around our head that it protects us from attacks against our mind. See, this is where I'm going. That it protects us against things, you know, against our mind. So the devil wants us to be confused. He wants to tamper with our confession. He wants to get us focused on the wrong things. He wants um, our thinking to be blurry, you know, to about, especially about the difference, what is right and what is wrong. He wants to attack our souls, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So um, Paul encourages us to put on the helmet of salvation. It's interesting that it's called the helmet of salvation. You see what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection far outshines any helmet. But our salvation is very valuable. It's the most valuable gift God's given us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Because of Jesus, we have become new creations in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we've been reconciled unto the Father. Because of Jesus, what Adam lost through the last Adam, it has been restored. So it's important for us to understand salvation. So we, when we put on the helmet of salvation, when we, when we have a right thinking about our salvation, and the Holy Spirit will help us with that. When the attacks come, he'll stir us up in our, in our heart, and he'll bring back to our remembrance his word. And he'll remind you, nope, that's not true. That's the enemy. Remember, you are saved. You're saved by grace, not of works. You are saved. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been made right. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Like they say, you may have done what they said you did, but you're not who they say you are. 
I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Maybe I did that stuff in the past, but that stuff is under the blood. That stuff is dead. And so when the enemy comes to attack your salvation and say, are you really saved? What about what you, you did this, you did that? And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. No, remember the word. Remember who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. So the helmet of salvation, like the breastplate of righteousness, rests on the redemptive work of Christ. That's what it rests upon. Just like we know we didn't do anything to obtain righteousness. We didn't do anything to obtain salvation either. Right? Okay. So if you think about it, um, I was thinking about this, like, you know, we're, we are uh, citizens of the United States, right? And we have certain rights, which are outlined in, uh, in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. And so as long as we obey the laws of the land, um, we're in right standing with the United States government, right? But the same thing is true of God as a believer. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you have right, a right to everything in the kingdom. Amen? So there's a covenant between you and Jesus. Wow. Or actually, it's between, yeah, and God the Father. Um, But it's signed in Jesus' blood, this covenant. And it provides these rights for you. So if Jesus is your Lord and you have right standing with God, you have the righteousness of God. You have a right to everything that God has for you. Amen. Everything that belongs to you. So when you accepted Jesus, there you receive um, rights and privileges that you didn't have before because you were not in the family of God. But once you got in the family of God, you became an heir to the promises. Praise God. So you have a legal right in the spiritual realm, but you have to take your place and you have to exercise those rights. You have to exercise that, yes, salvation belongs to me. So that's why you have to put on that helmet of salvation and remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself what Jesus did how you got to be who you are. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So here's just a few things. Um, You know, it's interesting. uh, Salvation in the Greek, it's the word soterio, soterio, which means, actually means brought to a safe place, saved, delivered from um, danger, to be healed, to be restored, to be rescued. Amen. Okay, amen? So here's just a few rights that we have. You have the right to be free. Therefore, if, any, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, right? John eight thirty six. You have the right to be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5, right? You have the right to prosper. And God will generously provide all your need, right? And um, 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 8, 
and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You have the right to never fear again, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, right? By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. You have the right to have peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace, Psalm 29, 11. You have the right to use the name of Jesus. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's in John 14, 13, and 14. You have the right to triumph. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. You have eternal life, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life, 1 John 2, 25. So, you see, we have to know these things. We have to wrap this around our head, wrap this so um, our thinking is changed. Our thinking, we think like what God, we think like God, we think what the word says about us. Amen. Our salvation is solid. Yes. Yes. It's not going to change. It's not going to go anywhere. But the enemy will attempt to come against our minds to bring that confusion Cause us to be dizzy, cause us not to figure out what's, you know, our, our, you know, um, discern what's right and wrong, right from wrong. So it's so, so important for us. And Pastor David teaches as well who we are in Christ. Amen. 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 So important that we wrap salvation around our heads so the enemy can't, you know, take our heads off. (laughs) Get us in a place out of the will of God. Get us in a place of worry. Get us in a place of doubt. Get us out of faith into fear. We've been delivered from all of that stuff. Amen? Amen? So, praise God. Um, I'm going to, obviously, even though I didn't do a review, I still didn't get to the very last one. (laughs) Still trying to get to the sword of the spirit. Um, But there's much to be said about the sword of the spirit. Maybe I'll read you just a little bit to get us um, started for next week. Okay? So, the sword of the spirit. So this is, of course, um, in Ephesians 6.17. So just to give you an idea, the Roman soldier's sword was approximately 18 to 19 inches long, with both sides being razor sharp. It was like a dagger. So, you know, a lot of times we think of the swashbuckling and they've got the long sword or, or swords. It, it wasn't that. It's, it's a short, shorter one. Okay. Um, it was used for close-up fighting. So, you know, like in your face fighting, hand-to-hand combat, the dagger was, uh, was needle sharp. It was used um, for giving a death blow. 
Okay, when the enemy was upon you, I mean, that's when you use that little, um, they would use that, that smaller sword to thrust it into the enemy. So um, this piece of armor, which is different from the other ones, um, it's called the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. So next week what we're going to talk about is the fact that this is the weapon that's not only um, defensive, but it's offensive. And this is the weapon that the Holy Spirit uses. This one is an important one. The sword of the spirit. They're all important. But this one, the Holy Spirit, uses this one. The sword of the spirit. So the sword of the spirit is both offensive and defensive. And while God's word can protect us from the lies of the enemy, it can also counterattack. And so when you go into battle, you don't beat your enemy with your shield or try to defeat him with your belt or chase him down with your sandals or throw your helmet at him, right? No, you use your sword. You got to take your sword out. The sword of the spirit. So I'll give you just a little tidbit. Remember in, in um, Genesis where it talked about God said, and it was. Well, this particular, when it talks about um, the word of God in this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's talking about the rhema word. It's talking about utterance. It's not talking about the written word. Okay? It's not talking about this. It's not talking about logos. But it's talking about utterance. So logos would be when um, you read the word and you get revelation. You get understanding. But rhema is when there's utterance. So when God spoke, it said that the Holy Spirit was hovering. But he didn't do anything until God spoke. Nothing until he spoke. But once he spoke, he had, God had what he said. But it wasn't until he spoke. 